0: We're up to Daniel, Daniel chapter three, starting at the verse Verse. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisers, treasurers, judges, magistrates and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp." pipe and all kinds of music you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now from verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him King Nebuchadnezzar we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual, And commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace then king nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers weren't there 3 men that we tied up and threw into the fire they replied certainly your majesty he said look i see 4 men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed and the fourth looks like a son of the gods nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire.
1: I wonder what you were like as a 12 or 13-year-old. I uh, was uh, about this tall. I was very, very short. I could stand on a chair and still be shorter than uh, my youth leaders at the time. Uh, I wore way too much Lynx deodorant, Africa, and it did not help one bit. Uh, I just started to notice girls And uh, I still had to pretend when I saw kissing on the screen of the TV that I was grossed out by it and would hide behind the couch so my parents kind of didn't get the developmental stage that I was going through. (laughs) Maybe I've overshared a little bit. Um, (laughs) uh, I wonder what you were like as a 12 or 13 year old. I wonder what you were going through kind of as you were um, finding yourself and your identity at school, as you were um, listening to your Walkmans, as you were discovering Queen or Led Zeppelin, as you were, um, you know, Jason, discovering Babysitter's Club. Um, I wonder what you were like. Let me tell you what Daniel and his friends were like at 12 or 13-year-olds. Last week, we heard about uh, how they were taken from their families. Imagine being 12 or 13, taken from your families, taken uh, by uh, the most violent and brutal people group in the the world at the time. To a a nation, to a foreign land that did not speak your language, amongst the people that, that you had seen, Kill your sisters, rape your mother. um, uh, Kill your father as he tried to kind of hold the door against the Babylonians. This is kind of this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're kind of figuring out how do we 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 are now in this foreign land amongst our enemies to a very real degree and last week we heard how they kind of were struggling with this and seeking wisdom to figure out what battles do we fight? Where where do we compromise and where do we stand firm? And today kind of follows a few years later as they have grown in Babylon and yet Remains in Jerusalem. In our narrative, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the most powerful man in the world at the time, builds uh, this giant statue, builds this giant kind of needle-like um, tower. It's um, nine foot wide. So um, I think I'm, I'm about nine foot Uh, So think of that wide, and it is nine stories high. So picture that, nine foot wide, nine stories high. Even just the fact that it doesn't fall over should speak to the power and brilliance and engineering ingenuity of the Babylonian Empire and Nebuchadnezzar as king. And at the top would have been this bust of a number of the Babylonian gods. And Nebuchadnezzar says, and he makes this edict that um, whenever the choir plays, everyone from every nation, of every tongue, wherever they are, must bow down. And the choir plays, and everyone bows, every knee bows but three. You see, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon uh, are doing what most pluralistic societies do, are doing what most kind of societies and cities that have people of every nation, every language, every tongue do. And here's here's what uh, kind of is said, whether it's Babylon, whether it's Rome, whether it's Australia, the idea is this. The idea is um, that... uh, Where are we? Here we are. Uh, The idea is that you can worship your God in private, but in public, you be like everyone else. You worship your God in private, but in public, you need to bow the knee. You need to behave like everyone else. We're not saying you can't worship your gods. Worship your gods. That's fine. Worship your gods, but in addition to the Babylonian gods. Do whatever you want in private, but in public, you play the game. You play the game of the city. Um... Back a number of years ago, with the Israel's Falou saga, and, and kind of think what you will on what he said, or what he did, how he did it. You know, we we can debate that now. It's not really the time, but um, Rugby Australia said this when they kicked him out of the Wallabies. They said we have nothing against him being Christian, but in public. In public, he is not allowed to express his beliefs in that manner. So in private, you can believe whatever you want, you can hold to whatever you want, you can express whatever or however you want, but in public, you can't. Peter Singer wrote a fascinating article in uh, a Melbourne newspaper. Uh, Peter Singer is probably Australia's most famous atheist. Um, he, uh, um, he very f- uh, fervently holds to the fact that there's no difference between uh, people and animals to the point where he kind of self-quotes and self-acknowledges that there's no difference value-wise between his uh, baby daughter and his pet rat. Uh, a man of, at, like, as disturbing as that is, you've kind of got to acknowledge the integrity of his thinking, Right? And his worldview, he's playing it out. And he writes this paper. He writes in this newspaper, and he says, um, saying that Christians can be Christian, but only behind, but only in private. And in private, they can express whatever they want. They can be whoever they want. They can worship whoever they want. But in public, they can't express what they want. They can't say what they want. They can't display what they want. Peter Singer said, that sounds exactly like what we said 20 years ago to gay rugby players when we said, you can can be homosexual, but you just have to do it behind closed doors. You just have to do it in private. And you can kiss whoever you want, you can express whatever you want, you can display whatever you want, but you do that in private. In public, you play the game of the city. And what Peter Singer was saying is it's the exact same thing. There's no difference. Just as tragic and oppressive as that was, it's just the same game. And this is what Babylonians doing, Babylon's doing, this is what Nebuchadnezzar is saying. You can worship your gods as long as you do so in addition to our gods, that in public you bow the knee. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they they haven't tucked themselves away into a small room or a monastery. They are are thoroughly involved in Babylon. They're thoroughly involved in the life of the city. They They are part of the culture. They're doing what Jeremiah 29 says, which is, hey, these people that have oppressed you and stolen you from the land, love them. Live in the city. Work in the city, pray for the city, pray for their good, work for their good. Be part of the city and the culture. And they are doing that. They've taken Babylonian names. They've had a Babylonian education. But when asked, when told to keep their faith private, They say, no, and we don't care what you're going to do to us. When told that they must not just uh, not condemn the Babylonian gods, but when told that they must participate and affirm the Babylonian gods as good and great, they say, we can't do that. We can't affirm what is evil. In Isaiah, really, the accusation of false, against false prophets is this, that a false prophet, the definition is um, a prophet who declares what is evil to be good and what is good to be evil. And they say, we cannot do that. And Nebuchadnezzar is filled with anger. He's filled with fury. And so he calls them before himself. And um, verse 17, he says, um, "Who?" well, verse 15, he says, um, Who will be able to deliver you from my hand? What God can rescue you from my grip, from my judgment? What God can deliver you? It's kind of eerily foreshadowing isn't it just like it echoes and just soaks at, it just echoes Pilate before jesus who can deliver you from my judgment who can deliver you from my hand Who can rescue you? You are within the palm of my hand. And verse 17, some of my favorite verses in all of the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from it. But even... If he does not, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We believe God can save us. We believe God God will save us. But even if he doesn't, we won't bow the knee. Even if we are thrown in one by one and we die screaming in the flames, we will... We will not bow. Even if we leave our wives as widows and our children as orphans, as much as we don't want that, we will not bow to these gods. We will remain faithful to the God of Israel. It means losing our job. If it means uh, the skin boiling inside our veins, we will not bow the knee. heart of my own heart, whatever before, you know, we we listen, I was going to say we sung, we listened to it just before, still be my vision, a ruler of all. Such is the focus of their faith. And so Nebuchadnezzar is filled with anger. Literally, it says that his face just distorts in anger. And Nebuchadnezzar commands that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. And he gets his strongest soldiers and he binds them up and he throws them into the furnace. It's, they, they fall into the furnace. It's probably like this chimney thing in the ground that they're kind of thrown into. And there's a room there through which you can view. And they're thrown in. And it's so hot that Nebuchadnezzar's strongest soldiers, just because they get close enough to kind of topple these three friends in, the, the soldiers die. Th- think, of, uh, think of your seatbelt in summer. That's how hot it is in this furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, he kind of, uh, I think the idea is that he kind of ascends to this place where he can kind of look in. And as he looks in, he see he's just floored by two things. He sees the three of them just, just walking around, unharmed, unbound. And he sees a fourth man. And, and the fourth man, he says, looks like the son of, a, of the gods. Literally, the word he uses is Elohim, which is the Hebrew word that's used for God. The son of the gods. That, that this God that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego have stood for, that he has not abandoned them to the furnace. That he has not abandoned them to the flames, but rather is with them in the furnace. He is with them in the fire. And so, um, Shadrach, uh, so King Nebuchadnezzar calls them out. He says, come out. Come forward, come forth. And, and notice this. Notice that it just fits the pattern all through the Old Testament, God's salvation, God's rescue, God's deliverance never is from suffering, but God's rescue and deliverance is always through suffering. It's always through judgment, all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. And on that final day, we'll not be rescued. God's people are never rescued from suffering as if it's the absence of it. Rather, we are rescued through it. We are rescued through judgment. You will be rescued through judgment on that final day, not from it, but through it by the blood of the Lamb. That you will walk through it like like one of those big fire blankets over you that you can walk through the flames. And so uh, not only are they... Not abandoned in the fire, but he is one who has entered into the fire with them and delivered them through it to the point where they come out and not even a hair on their head is singed and their clothes don't even smell of smoke. Like, just think how crazy that is. Like, have you ever been camping? And you kind of sit around the fire and you come back and your clothes stink of smoke for days. That here, the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, here before Nebuchadnezzar, his question is answered. Who can deliver them? The mighty one of Israel, the God who enters with them into the fire, the one like the son of Elohim. Jonathan Edwards uh, is an old preacher and he um, writes... Uh, reflecting on uh, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane before the flames. Jonathan Edwards kind of is reflecting on Jesus trembling in the desert and he kind of acknowledges from the forefront and he kind of says, um, he says, this is just what I think is happening in the garden. This is why I think Jesus is kind of sweating the way that he's sweating and trembling the way he has never trembled before and why literally blood is seeping from the pores on his skin. And in his final moments, in his final hours, that that in the garden that Jesus gets a snapshot, gets an image of what is to come. Of what he is to face. Jonathan Edwards says this that in the garden, Jesus' agony was caused by a vivid, bright, full, immediate view of the wrath of God to be faced. The Father, as it were, set the cup down before him. He now had a near view of that furnace into which he was about to be cast. And as he stood and viewed its raging flames and and the glowing of its heat, his knees trembled. For he knew to where it was he was going and what he was about to suffer. That Christ was going to be cast into that dreadful furnace, but he would not go into it blindfolded. Not knowing how dreadful the furnace was, how hot the flames were to be. Rather, God first brought him to the mouth of the furnace. That he might look in and stand and view its fierce and raging flames. And that he might see where he was going and might voluntarily enter into it and bear it for sinners. As knowing full well what it was he was being cast into. The fourth man. You see why and how Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were willing to say, we believe God can save us, we believe God will deliver us, but but even if he doesn't, You can only make that statement if it is God by whom you're captured by, if it is Him by whom you're amazed by, if it is Him by whom you love and desire and want, if He is the water for which you thirst. If you're using God as as a pathway for, for comfort, you will bow the knee every time before the furnace if you're using God as a pathway for, for kind of peace and prosperity, then, then you will bow the knee when, that seems, when that's threatened to be taken from you. It is only when He is the life, when He is the living water, when He is comfort, peace, joy, when it is Him, because I know He who was cast into the furnace... And so I will trust him as, as I go into the furnace, if I, if I'm, as I'm thrown into the flames. Because the other thing this passage t- tells us is, as you stand in opposition, as you stand refusing to bow to the idols of, of a nation, you will get a bloody nose for it. You will cop flack from it. You won't move forward in your job as maybe you might have. It will cost you in a nation to stand against the idols of that nation. You'll get mud on your jersey. It might cost you the skin on your back. On that final day... like. I can use it, another rugby illustration, imagine a grand final on a rainy day and you play and you play and you play and you go into the sheds afterwards and you don't want to be the person in the sheds on that grand final day with a clean jersey. You want to be the guy who people are like, is that Jamie? I can't tell really. You want to be the person that that has on their jersey that they have fought, tackled, copped, been faithful for Jesus. For we see, for we see here that the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, our God can, will, and is able to deliver us from the flames, from the furnace, and even from death. That he was cast into the furnace, so that we who would otherwise burn would not even smell of smoke. So the... So the weakest and the feeblest and the littlest of us might be able to close our eyes in death, knowing that he who is faithful, the fourth man, will deliver them through. Jack Vinson was a missionary in China in 1931, and he found himself... um, before the, the the barrel of a pistol, and as he was on his knees there, the Chinese captor was waving it in front of him and mocking him, and said, "Aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid?" And Jack Vincent, in his final words, looked at him looked down the barrel and said, Afraid? Afraid of what? Shoot me if you will, I will go straight to God. E.H. Hamilton, his friend, would Hear those words from a seven year old girl who witnessed the event of his friend's final words, and he would write this poem in reflection Afraid of what? To feel the Spirit's glad release? To pass from pain to perfect peace? The strife and strain of life to cease? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To see, afraid to see the Saviour's face? To hear his welcome and to trace the glory gleam from wounds of grace? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? A flash, a crash, a pierced heart, brief darkness... Light, O heaven's art, a wound of his, a counterpart. Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To enter into heaven's rest and yet to serve the master blessed from service good to service best. Afraid of that. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we ask that you might too fill us with the courage of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We pray that we too might know who you are and that as we stand and are willing to stand before the idols of our world as we, um, as we refuse to affirm what is evil and as we stand for what is true and good. We pray you might give us courage to trust you even when it is going to cost us. We thank you that you are the God who, who chooses not just to, um, who chooses to enter into the flames and the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you are the God who chooses to enter into our suffering and our mess and our brokenness and the trials and the suffering and the hardship that, that many of us are going through even now. And we pray that, we might fix our eyes upon you. We pray that we might persevere and trust in you, the God who is able to deliver us from the flames. And we pray this so that others like Nebuchadnezzar on that day might say, here is the God. Here is the God that can and does deliver his people. So that others like Nebuchadnezzar in that moment might see just the power of your deliverance. Forgetting the channel and remembering him. Forgetting Shadrach. Forgetting Meshach. Forgetting Abednego. Forgetting Jamie McKenzie. Forgetting all of us and simply marveling at he in the flames who delivers his people. Pray you might remind us of this truth.